Okay, hello everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Midwest Madness, your true crime cult conspiracy encrypted podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Danielle. And so we two weeks missed last week, obviously. Yes. Um, just didn't have time to record, so it is what it is. Yeah, I think if we had tried to cram recording in there too, it would have been just really miserable for everybody. Yeah, I agree. Well, so. I mean, for us, not. It, it, no, I don't think anyone would have wanted to listen to it. We were very tired. <laughs> oh. On Sunday, we were both tired. And I think it would have been fine. But don't argue with me, you <laughs> sassy brat. <laughs> I just didn't have time to write an episode. So. No, there's that too. Um, I, the only time I could have think that we could have done it, I was like thinking about it when I was driving over. I was like. We could have done it while we were driving, but that would have been so chaotic. Don't you? I think I need internet, though. Oh, I don't know. Well, we have hotspots. Yeah, but they're not. Those aren't super reliable. That's true. I had a feeling we would get like ninety percent through, and then it would just stop or something. <laughs> that would be our luck. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah. Just a quick recap of the weekend. It was great. Everything went well. Friday was touch and go, but that's, uh, you know, just with illness, but everything was good. Emily's making faces at me, so I'm assuming she wants me to shut up now. I just feel like, <laughs> I don't know. People that we know listen to this. Yeah, but so Emily's weird sometimes, so. That's fair. She's that's why a I'd, private person. Well, that's why I didn't go into detail. I just said it was really good. I had a blast. Um, on Saturday, I was exhausted, but boy, oh boy, was it fun. Yeah, it was very fun. And they're married. And that's all that matters. Yes. So, um, and quit living in sin. <laughs> okay. I'm telling the story this week. Yes. Um, definitely going to be shorter. Okay. I know I said that last time and it wasn't that short, but this time is definitely going to be shorter. Do you do like a word count? So you kind of know where you're gonna sit no not usually go by page okay but it also just really depends on like because i'm uh, like page isn't always reliable because some stories you just have more to like interject about yeah talk about yeah and other stories are really more just like me listening yeah and straightforward kind of and i feel like this one kind of might be a little bit more straightforward versus like conversation okay we'll see if this one's on my list too I Hold doubt on. it. Let me let me pull up my list. <laughs> I'd be surprised if it was actually. Okay. Um so this week we are going to be talking about an unsolved case um in Minnesota. It's been a while since you've done one of those. I yeah. Feel like. It's not a, like a disappearance or anything, but it is unsolved. Okay. Um but the so the original story takes place in minnesota and then we're going to talk about like something else that takes us to the west coast okay so it's not all midwest but you guys can i don't think anyone's gonna really care um but yeah the story i am telling today is the story of mary shyless mary shyless that does not S-C-H-L-A-I-S. 
Shailen Schleis? I don't think I have any more. Nope, no Marys. Yeah, I kind of figured you. It's an, Woo! definitely a story I had never heard of, so I would have been shocked if you had. Okay. Um. Okay. So, on February 15th, 1974, in a ditch off a dead-end road near Elk Creek, Wisconsin, the body of 25-year-old... So, it kind of is like Wisconsin, Minnesota. Okay. Well, that happens a lot because yeah. we're right next, next to, each to each other. other. The body of 25-year-old artist Mary Shilas was discovered in a snowbank. Mary had been attempting to hitchhike from her apartment in Minneapolis to a art show in Chicago. And unfortunately, she only made it about 90 miles or so from her home. And it had only been about two to three hours since she had left. Oh, um, damn. That happened fast. Yeah. Some of my sources vary on timing. So uh, there's some things in here that kind of vary, but. Okay. Well, and that tends to happen when you have a story that's a little bit older, right? Yeah. But there was like a lot of information about it. Really? That's good. That's but always helpful. you'll figure out why. Okay. Um, a witness had actually told police that he had seen a man and a woman fighting around 12 p.m., so like broad daylight, in an orange slash gold compact car on the side of the road. The witness then said he saw the man throw the woman out of the car and speed off. There's a second account. I think it's from the same person, but they kind of say varying things. So okay. another account from a witness states that they, as they drove by, they saw the body of, in the boot of the car. And then um, in their rear view mirror, they saw the man throw something into the ditch and then drive off. That's a risky move. The um, witness for the second account then returned home only to return to the site with a friend later to see what had been tossed. And that's when they found the body of Mary in the ditch. Okay. Which, yeah, it's very risky. It doesn't make much sense to me. No. Because, like, if you were in the middle of the day, right? Yeah. And also, like, there's a an obvious witness. Why would you be out of your car at all like wouldn't you just like hide behind your car or something until they were gone like i would have just like drove somewhere else yeah but if it looks like an abandoned car i'm gonna be less likely to be like oh what's going on but then if i see someone like throwing shit out of the back of the car i'm gonna be like wait a second i mean what the fuck is going on i don't i don't know an abandoned car, though, on a dead-end road. You have to remember this is a dead-end road. That's There's true. probably not many abandoned cars down a dead-end road that you don't know That's if true. you live on this dead-end road. That's true. Because we live opinion. on a cul-de-sac, and it's like, well, our parents do. And it's like, you after a while, you get to know who drives what cars. Right. You know? Yeah. So, I don't know. I think I would have just gotten back in my car and drove somewhere else or yeah like pretended i was lost or something i don't know yeah um okay it looked like there had been an attempt to cover the body with snow um mary had been beaten and stabbed more than a dozen times mary did have defensive wounds on her hands and arms so the investigators were able to determine that mary did put up a fight against her killer They also noticed that key items were missing slash still are missing to this day, such as her purse, wallet, and the coat she was wearing when she left her apartment. Um, 
A key suspect that police zoned in on right away was a man that was in a black and white photograph that Mary had on her desk in her apartment. The man in the photo has never been identified, which means that none of her family or friends knew who this person was um, and still has not been identified to this day. That is truly astonishing. Yeah, I agree. Because um, like, so sorry, back then to have a photo of someone, you had to be relatively close to them, you know, like because you had to spend the money to have it printed and you had to like actually have the film and the camera and the... Well, she's an artist. Yeah. But still, well, well, I suppose it could be like a model, I guess. That's like what I'm going to get Sorry. to in a second. Sorry. <laughs> um, but the police did know that the man in the photo resembled the police sketch that the eyewitness was able to give because obviously the witness saw the man. So he was able to meet with the sketch artist. Okay. And they were able to get a sketch. Um, can I interject something else? Can I just finish yes. one? This yeah. Last sentence? Yeah. Um, not everyone believes that this man is someone that police should be looking for, though. Mary's brother, Dan, believes that the man in the photo could just have been someone that Mary asked to pose as a subject of one of her art projects. So he believes that this is they've been chasing a dead end for all these years. So my thought on it is like if they if he they were. OK, hold on. Let me. If she was hitchhiking, what are the chances that someone she knew picked her, picked up. her up right yeah because that, that's not hitchhiking right that would be saying i'm asking emily for a ride not i'm hitchhiking and emily just happened to pick me up that would be really convenient yeah i'm i thought i thought about that too and in my mind i was like okay it is possible though that like maybe she was hitchhiking this person drove by and was like oh where are you headed and she's like, well, I'm headed this way. And he's like, okay, well, maybe I can take you this far. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that does happen, right? Yeah. So, yes, the that I could see where it would be, like, kind of odd. But at the same time, I'm not, like, ruling it out because it is possible. Yeah, you're right. I just would say highly unlikely. Right. Um. Okay. So, uh, oh, I guess I should have read my next sentence. <laughs> Investigators do believe that whoever killed Mary wasn't a stranger. Although I don't really know how they came to that conclusion, considering she'd been hitchhiking to try to get to an art show. Yeah. Do you think maybe just because of the amount of rage with the, what, 12 stab wounds? Over 12, Over yeah. 12. That's a lot. Yeah. And you, they always say, you know, stabbing's like more personal. And right. Like she was beaten too. But then again, stabbing could just be a convenient thing because they're in a small space in a car. True. Like, I have a knife in my purse. Yeah. So. I mean, obviously, like I said, I don't know how they came to that conclusion yeah. that it wasn't a stranger, but they did. So Okay. Um, in 2009, investigators did exhume the body of Mary to try to recover more DNA, which they were successful in doing, but that's, um, like, pretty much all the info. I have on that. I don't know if they are tested it against anyone. I okay. don't know. Obviously, they haven't found a match. Right. Because you would assume if there was a match, that there'd be an arrest. Would have been arrested. <laughs> yeah. Or at least uh, we figured it out if they yeah. were dead. Yeah. So, um, that's like pretty much all the info we have on Mary's case. Um, and obviously, it still is unresolved. 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 <laughs> sure, that works too. It does work. Unresolved but... to this day. Um, okay. Emily's getting fancy. <laughs> I kind of have a little headache, so I'm just... I can tell. Yeah. Um, 
I'm out of my meds too, so. Oh no, buddy. Well, I just don't like going to the doctor, but that's just a whole other. I mean, yeah, that's thing. Side comment. We'll yeah. talk about it later. <laughs> um. Okay. So we're gonna come back to Mary in a bit, but next I want to tell you the story of the I five killer, better known as Randall Woodfield. Um, Randall grew up in Salem, Oregon. You, it's not on your list because this is in, on the West Coast. Yeah, but the name sounds familiar. I'm oh. trying to figure out why. Keep ta- Just keep okay. talking. Um, Randall grew up in Salem, Oregon. He came from a middle-class family and had a pretty normal upbringing. He was popular amongst his peers and was even a football star at Newport High School and later played football in uh, at Portland State University. Um, that's not to say, though, that Randall didn't have some issues in high school. This is when he first began showing some signs of antisocial behavior. The main thing that he liked to do was indecent exposure. His first arrest for a crime was in high school. However, his football coaches helped cover up the crime because they didn't want him to be kicked off the football team. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know. It's annoying. (laughs) Um... Throughout the early 1970s, Randall continued to be arrested for petty crimes such as vandalism and public indecency. But these arrests did not stop Randall from being drafted by none other than our least favorite NFL team, the Green Bay Packers. That is why I know this name. Yep, that's why. <laughs> I was going to say, he w- he played for the fucking Packers, didn't he? he didn't. Okay, got it, got he it, got it, got it. He never actually played a game. No, he didn't. You're no. right. Yep. Okay. He did get let go. <laughs> I knew I knew this name. Okay, sorry, um, I'm celebrating. Just here. another reason to hate the fucking Packers. Sorry, Fuck the Packers. If we have any Packers fans listening. No, we're not sorry. Um, Fuck you guys. But obviously, we're Vikings fans. I'm not even a football person, and I still hate the Packers. <laughs> um, okay. So, however, the fact that Randall was drafted and was on the team didn't stop him from committing crimes. Um, he was officially kicked off the team in 1974. After more than a dozen arrests for indecent exposure. I literally started writing this episode. Did you? About him. Yeah, just about him. And I was like, there's just not enough. Like, it was more like a a mini. It would have been a mini. Yeah. When we were doing minis. Yeah. Hopefully nobody misses those because I certainly don't. Yeah. (laughs) If we had more time, I think there would be. In the summer, I might be able to like stack up a bunch like if yeah, we just recorded you, a couple because I, you, I don't work full yeah. time in the summer. Yeah, you work at the schools. So. Yeah. So if if that's something people are interested in, please, please, please let us know because we can do that. We just yeah. haven't. Um. So after he was released from the Green Bay Packers, he did play for like, a, I believe it's like a semi-pro team. Yeah. Manitowoc. Chiefs, I think. Yeah, it was. something like that. Yeah, I didn't really write it down because I didn't really see that significant. But don't you hate that? And then I you accidentally talk about it. <laughs> really, he didn't. It seemed like he didn't really play much for them either. Um, so yeah, he was, um, kicked <laughs> off the Packers, and after that, he headed back to the West Coast, and this is when Randall began robbing and sexually assaulting several several different women at knife point. He was like a real winner. Was eventually caught, though, by an undercover female officer, and at this point, he went to prison for second-degree robbery. Randall only served four out of the ten-year sentence. In 1979, Randall began what ended up being a two-year-long robbery spree. spree. Um, 
robbing places like gas stations, ice cream parlors, and homes all along the Interstate 5 freeway, which runs between California and Oregon. I love that you have to specify ice cream parlors because that means it was more than one. (laughs) Yeah. He like really just wanted some ice cream and at the same time was like, also, by the way, give me all your money. He was like, here, uh, yes, one rocky road, please. please. (laughs) And also everything in the cash register. All of the cash. (laughs) I Um, will also not be paying for this. Thank you so much. (laughs) Um, Okay. Not only was he robbing these places, though, with his female victims, he would also sexually assault them, murder them, or both. Like a real piece of shit. Yeah. Finally, in March of 1981... Police were in the middle of investigating a shooting death in Beaverton, Oregon, when they found the out that Randall um, was an acquaintance of this person. Um, and then when he looked, they looked into Randall, they saw he had a past history of robbery and sexual assault. So this obviously made but Randall... The, vic- the victim had been shot? Yes. Wasn't he usually a stabber? Um, we'll get to it. Okay. Um... So that made Randall a suspect Um, and police got a search warrant to search his home. And during the search, they found evidence linking him to the murder in Beaverton, as well as attempted murders of two other young women. Um, He was arrested and charged with the Beaverton murders and a double murder of a wife and daughter in Redding, California. Um, He went to trial in October of 1981 in Salem for the Salem, Oregon, for the murder of Sherry Hull. Okay. Fun slash interesting fact. The prosecutor at the time was a man called Chris Van Dyke, who Dick was, Van Dyke? in fact, the son of Dick Van Dyke. <laughs> no way. I love Dick Van Dyke. God yeah. bless Dick Van Dyke. Pretty crazy. Um, Randall was convicted of the murder and sentenced to life in prison and was also sentenced to additional 90 years for convictions of other crimes. So, yes, he, he used the knife. He was sexually assaulting women at knife point. Oh, okay. But he also used a gun. Okay. So he kind of did both. So it was just like with a weapon, basically. Okay. So he wasn't... Strictly a knife guy. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask something and I forgot what it was. So apparently it wasn't important. By the 1990s, Randall was linked to and suspected of killing up to 44 different women all along the I-5, as well as 60 plus sexual assaults. Holy fuck. What, to the 44 murders or the 60 plus sexual Both. assaults? Both. <laughs> That's a lot. Yeah. He was a busy bee. In 2001 and 2006, DNA was used to link Randall to two additional murders in Oregon in 1980 and 1981. Damn. Randall has never admitted, has only ever admitted to one murder and has denied involvement in any other murders slash sexual assaults. Just be fucking honest at this. They got you. Yeah. They've got you. Just be honest and like give people some peace. Right? Yeah. So that brings us back to Mary. Um, They do believe that Randall, they believe that she might have been a victim of Randall. Okay. Essentially. Okay. Because um, he was in the area at the time. Well, I'm assuming. Well, they do believe that Randall was in the area at the time of the murders because this was right around the time that he would have been going from Wisconsin to Oregon and back for football. Right. They also stated that Mary fit the description of Randall's usual victims. She was petite, white, and in her 20s. 
They also state that the MO is somewhat similar because Randall usually used one of two weapons, either a knife or a gun. And finally, um, Randall also somewhat matched the sketch that the witness was able to give the sketch artist of the man he saw throw Mary's body out of the car. And as a football player, he would definitely be big enough to throw a body. Yeah. I mean, it probably still wouldn't be easy, but... Of course, there are a few things that don't point to Randall being the killer, like the fact that Mary's death was before Randall's killing spree started, um, which doesn't necessarily mean it wasn't him. He could have just started earlier than anybody knows. Right, and had like a good cool down period or whatever, and then... Um, And then it's also way farther east, obviously, than most of his crimes but again that just doesn't that doesn't mean that he wasn't doing it here too and then he just never was linked because but they have don't they have dna or did they try to get dna we're gonna get that to to that too okay (laughs) sorry i'm just jumping ahead on you here today um and the fact too that he drove her body back to a back road and dumped her along in a ditch doesn't really match either because he was he just like would leave them you know what i mean yeah so i don't know Maybe. but again that doesn't like mean necessarily it wasn't it would, could just mean like this was a crime of opportunity yeah you know and maybe he pulled over there to assault her she and she back. fought back and he ended up killing, killing her. her exactly and like if you're not from that area you might not know it's a dead end right, right? yeah um investigators have not been able to talk to randall about mary's case um, just because he is denied involvement in everything from day one, so they don't really feel like it's, I wouldn't say necessarily like not worth it. It's just like, okay, what, we're going to fly out to Oregon, talk to this guy just for him to be like, no, no, like, yeah. they don't think they're going to get anything from talking to him. Right. So. so better to wait for like concrete evidence. Yeah. Like, right. Remember I did mention there was DNA found on Mary's body I do in remember 2009. <laughs> um, and I'm not sure if they've tested Randall's DNA against this or not. I couldn't find anything stating that they had or have not. So, you know. I feel like why wouldn't mark. you? Like, why wouldn't you? Maybe if there's just like a very, 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 very small sample, they're waiting. Waiting. That would be my only thought because, and I don't, can you just like, can you just test anyone's DNA against it? Or do you have I, to have a like I think a if they're con- a convicted criminal, you can. Okay. I think. I don't know that for sure. That's something that I'd have to look up. But I feel like if, again, if they had done it, they probably would have come out and said, yeah, we did test it. It wasn't a match. Right. Or He's we not the guy. tested it and he, it is a match. Yeah. yeah. So that makes me think they haven't tested it. So. Yeah. Couldn't for some reason or. Yeah. Um. So that's the end of the story. Um, is Randall responsible for Mary's death or was it someone else entirely? Sorry, I've been holding those sneezes all episode. I, yeah, I don't, I can't give you a concrete answer. Um, I hope we find out some answers soon for this yeah. case as I do every case that's unsolved. But the fact that they have DNA gives me hope. Right. Especially with like family tree dna or whatever the yeah. shit they're doing now so yep we'll see but gut feeling I, what are the odds it was him you know what i mean yeah i mean there are definitely similarities but like you said there's also differences and i would so. feel like if they had other cases in this area that they 
had similar mo's to or like maybe they thought the same it just to me it would be odd that he would do it once here and then never again unless it was like on his way out of town but he was going i guess but then why would he go back to wisconsin why wouldn't he drive east oh, or I west yeah i suppose yeah i don't know i i feel like he's a good suspect but i also feel like he might be a convenient suspect you know what i mean yeah i get that um so yeah there we go there's the story of mary shyless and sort of randall because he sucks yeah <laughs> um now my sources um all that's interesting.com murderpedia.org cbsnews.com twice two different articles okay sportsillustrated.com insider.com okay and that's it <laughs> our socials are mw madness podcast um that's our g- at gmail.com uh and that's also our instagram without the gmail and then midwest madness podcast facebook group we did just add a new member so that's cool a few actually yeah really you've added a couple oh a bunch oh good yeah. i love that for us so welcome thanks for listening um feel free to talk to us on there We'll talk to you about true crime and murder and well that is true crime um and cryptids and conspiracies and cults and dogs we'll also talk about dogs talk about anything <laughs> to be honest honestly <laughs> um our mutual hatred for the green bay packers just uh, kidding <laughs> <laughs> i'll talk about hockey with people i i know hockey i don't really do football emily does all the sports because emily's a bro just like our mom yep i um, love it Cool. Well, that is the end of this week's episode. We hope you guys have a great rest of your week. Um, Hopefully, it starts to warm up and the snow starts to melt. I heard we're supposed to get more snow all day tomorrow. What? All day Monday. Yep. Uh, Alexa gave me a warning this morning that we were in a weather advisory. God dang it. I know. Well, okay. (laughs) Sorry to rain on your parade or actually snow on your parade. You guys have a great rest of your week. Bye.